This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. So, before we get started, I feel like this is becoming a trend of us having to have these serious talks. Um, something, we have to shut down. Something really uh, sad happened this morning. Anyone want to know what it was? Anyone care about my feelings or emotions? All right. So I'll share. You know, what do you think happened this morning? Alabama did not lose this morning. So Oh my goodness, if you were a prophet, you might be a prophet. So there were about 15 of you that came to the rec room and ate the donuts. So I spent $55 on donuts this morning. And some of you came and ate them, and some of you decided you were too good, and you're probably on the paleo diet, so you didn't come and eat them. You should go back. So the second thing that happened was, you said it, what's your name? Ethan. Nathan. Ethan. Did your parents want to call you Nathan? He's lying. His name's not Ethan. It's Nathan. I know that. So, Ethan or Nathan, whatever your real name is. Um, he got the second one right, too. So, you know, I came to church. I was looking forward to sitting with all of my friends at first service. Oh, uh-huh. Go ahead. Put that finger up because I saw you. I saw you. You walked in with your mama, and then you didn't come up there. So I'm just standing up here like this, waiting on all my friends to come up there. And only one person came, Matthew. Matthew, come up here. So Matthew, I don't know if you like steak and shake, but that would give you a steak and a shake. Thank you for sitting with me, Matthew. Let's give it up for Matthew. You have an excuse. I can't hear you. You're sitting with your mom. It's okay. You did sit in the section next to me, but that will not win you any steak and shake. Sorry about that. I'm glad you were at church this morning. So, once again, if you would love to hang out with me and Luke, and maybe you don't want to. Woo! Maybe that's what you're trying to tell us. We're slowly, you know, just going to figure it out. Um, we'll be in the somewhere in the front. If you were at 9.15, the thing that happened, that I told you was going to happen last week, did happen. Like all of these older, older, let's call them wise, all these wise people came, um, and they started sitting in the seats, and I was like, hey, these are for my friends. And then my friends never showed up, so they now think I'm alive. Thank you, you guys. Um, ouch, you were there. I appreciate you. So, Next Sunday, be there or be square, but that's fine if you're not there. I'll just try. Um, so this is the last week that we're talking about declarations. Um, and 
It's been a fun journey. I feel like we learned some things together, maybe. No? Yes? Yes. yes. Ethan, did you learn anything so far? Yes. What have you learned? Yes. Uh, influencer. Yes. Yes. Be an influencer about Jesus and not talking. You don't get a gift card for that, but I do appreciate the fact that you were listening. I'll give you a gift card next week if you come sit with me on Monday. All right, deal. Deal. Bet. You got to bring five people with you, though. Bet. I don't know what that means. My barber shop or my barber said it's been one time. Bet. Um. Awesome. So we're finishing out this series, Influencer, and we're going to start something that's really cool next week. But before I tell you about that, let's finish this out. So what we've been learning is that we're all called to influence the people that are around us. Everything that we do in our lives tells a bigger story and points them to something. Um, so I would venture to say that a lot of you are very passionate about different kind of things. So some of you are very passionate about your high school football team. Anyone? Yeah, I know what you said. That was really exciting. Um, I was talking to Vincent this morning and I told him that the Marion High School football team is a great football team that is going to win the state championship by the skin of their team. And apparently I'm a bad luck charm because every time I go to their football games they almost lose. So you actually lose. Can I show up? So so what? I miss it. You agree with that? Awesome. So some of you are very passionate about the type of food that you eat. Like I'm really, really passionate about Chick-fil-A, which we don't have here. But some of you are very passionate about places like Freddy's. Or ill. Yes. Did someone say Jimmy Jones? You're passionate about Jimmy Jones. You love Jimmy Jones. Wow. Passionate about Jimmy Jones. Some of you are very passionate about the type of soda that you drink. So let's have a lesson for TiVo here. I know we're in the South, but we're not really in the South, and we're in the Midwest, but we're not really in the Midwest. And I don't know where we are. I just know we're in southern Illinois, which is not really, we're in the mid-south. What? Did you just make that up? Awesome. I don't think I learned that in geography class. So, in the heartland. Do y'all call, we're in the heartland, whatever that means. I don't know. The heart of the country. God's is that country. what that means? Got it. Awesome. So, by a poll of raise of hands, do you say soda or pop? Raise your hand if you say pop. Raise your hand if you just call everything Coke. So if you raise your hand, you might be from Alabama. So, in Alabama, we kind of call everything Coke. Now, here, how many of you love Coca-Cola over Pepsi? How many of you like Pepsi over Coca-Cola? See, that's weird. But you might be very passionate about Dr. Pepper. Anyone like Dr. Pepper? So, how many of you, this is how you know you're passionate about Dr. Pepper. 
you go to your favorite local restaurant that's not Chick-fil-A, and you sit down and you order, and they say, what can I get you to drink? And they say, you say, Dr. Pepper. And they go, is Pepsi all right? Is Pepsi all right? You didn't know to do that. I was not planning on that. Anyways, thank you, Cardi um, B, for that one. So, they ask you if Mr. Pib is okay. Yes. Or what do y'all Bad. Not the same thing. And sometimes you get mad. So that's how you know you might be passionate about something. So as we're wrapping up this series, what I want you to know is that your life tells a story bigger than what you think it does. So people are watching you. Your friends are watching you. They're watching what you do. They're watching what you say. They're watching who you interact with. They're watching you. It's kind of like that creepy Chucky doll that watches people. They're not creepy, but they are watching you. And so, it is called stalking. Yes. So, one day, we will get to heaven and God will ask us, what did we do with the influence that we had here on earth? And I'm here to tell you that your declaration is influence. That your declaration is the sound of Students rising up to declare war on apathy, complacency, mediocrity, fear, and intimidation. That through the things that you're saying to your friends in your schools, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, that ultimately either God will be praised or he will not. So that's the only option. Are you praising God with what you're doing in your life or are you not praising God with what you're doing in your life? You have the ability to take what God has done in your life and own it by standing up, speaking up, and living it out. So I want to encourage you to make your declaration heard. Let it ring out of the ears of everyone that you have encountered. And the reason that I know that your influence is your declaration is because greatness was meant for you. You see, when God created us, he created us in his own image, which means that his DNA, his blood is inside of you. And see, you were created in the image of a great God, so that means that you were created for greatness. Everyone say that with me. I was created for greatness. We're going to do it on the count of three. Hold on. <laughs> One, two, three. I was created for greatness. Yes. That sounded like a bunch of kindergartners. So, we are a bunch of kindergartners. So, I would venture to say this. If you're waking up every single day and you're miserable and you don't want to go to school and you don't want to get out of bed and you're sitting there and you're just depressed, a lot of times it's because you don't really understand how much greatness God has actually placed inside of you. I've never seen a book or a movie or a story or a TV show written about someone that was famous for sitting on their couch and watching Netflix all day. Have you ever seen that? You are. You're famous. You have a TV show. They wrote a book. They made t-shirts and keychains about it. So there's no inspirational stories of people who settled for less, people who settled or staying in bed and being depressed. People who settle for watching Netflix all day instead of going out and changing the world. You know, there's also no inspirational poster of me at your local gym working out because I like to eat ice cream every single night. So that wouldn't be a picture of me. You would get no inspiration from that. 
So no one becomes great by settling for less or leaving a, living a mediocre life. When we aren't living in God's greatness, declaring to the world who he is in our lives, a lot of times we become miserable. And I think some of us in this room can relate to that. Those moments where we're not doing what God has called us to do and we're just doing what we want to do and a lot of times our friends start leaving us and you could easily become depressed. So if greatness were not meant for us, we would have never been created in the image of God. Remember, God created us in his image. We have his DNA because he is a great God who we created for greatness. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says, We were pressed on every side by troubles, but we were not crushed and broken. We were perplexed, but we didn't give up and quit. We were hunted down, but God never abandoned us. We got knocked down, but we get up again and keep moving forward. And what I want to say to you today is that if you're not dead, you're not done. And I think all of you in this room are currently living, correct? There's no like zombies in here. I don't know if zombies are, you're a zombie, you're a zombie lover. I see that hand, that's amazing. So if you still have breath in your lungs, that means you still have hope in your bones. And I want to encourage you that if you're not dead, you're not done. And what I mean by that is, with every breath that you take, you have the ability to change the world that's around you. You have the ability to tell someone about Jesus. You have the ability to point them to something that's greater than them. And when I think of this story, there's some people in the Bible that stood up and let their lives be a declaration, like I'm asking you to stand up and let your lives be a declaration. And those people, their story is told in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, this is one of my favorite Bible stories, and if you grew up in church, you might have heard this story a lot. These three guys were thrown in this fire, and then they didn't die, and Jesus was in the story. How many of you guys have heard this story before? So, I'm not probably going to tell you anything today that you don't know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were taken to Babylon. And while they were in Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar built this giant statue and basically told them, when the music plays, you have to bow down to the statue and you have to worship it. If you've heard the story before, you know that when the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down. And what we see in this story is that King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to create his own worship service of sorts. Because the devil wants to ruin your life in a way that he'll give you a cheap alternative to something that's great. So he'll give you a cheap form of worship, whether it's you worshiping sports, you worshiping your friends, you worshiping how many people like your Instagram posts. You might go back and delete the post after five minutes and more than 25 people didn't like it. The devil will give you that instead of the authenticness of you being a child of God, you being a daughter of the king, you being a son of the king. And so we see in Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it says, A herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, Attention everyone, every race, color, and creed, listen. When you hear the band strike up, all the trumpets and trombones, the tubas and baritones, the drums and cymbals. Fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who does not kneel in worship shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. So, the dilemma. The stage has been set. The music plays. 
you have to bow. I'm here to ask you, what in this world are you currently bowing to that's not Jesus? So what in your life are you putting above Jesus? I would venture to say that 90% of us who were put in the shoes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would fall to the pressure that is around us and bow down when they play the music because the thought of being burned alive in a furnace is scary. But I would also venture to say that 90% of us in this room are bowing down to things that are not God every single day. We're bowing down to the pressures of the world. We're bowing down to the pressures of getting good grades and getting into the right colleges. We're bowing down to the pressures of making sure we say the right things, wear the right clothes, and go to the right places to get the right friends. So I want you to imagine with me the tidal wave of pressure that came in that moment as the music played. They had been, just been told, if you don't bow, you get thrown into a furnace. And the music started playing, and this peer pressure happened. And everyone around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bowed. It caused, literally, the world around King Nebuchadnezzar to fall to their knees. That's how much the pressure in the title did. And I want to tell you that you should never bow down to anything unless it's God. If it's not God, don't bow down. Fear. Some people bow down out of fear. Some people bow down because they believe they didn't know any better. So they bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. Some people bow down because they ultimately didn't want to be left out. And I would venture to say that's where we fail every single day. We make decisions, we do dumb things, we don't listen while Tivo's talking because we don't want to be left out of the joke that our friends are trying to tell us. We don't want to be left out of the friend group. We don't want to not be invited to the next spring break trip. We want to be cool. We want to be accepted. Point four is you will never influence the world trying to be like it. So you'll never influence the world if you're trying to be like it. So even if you're trying to be accepted, even if you're trying to do all of the things because your friends are doing it, you will never influence the world if you're trying to be like it. I cannot tell you that enough. Remember, one day we'll get to heaven and God is going to ask us how we spend our time here on earth. I personally think that that's going to be a very unique and powerful moment. But that moment drives me to do things every single day that point other people to Jesus. Little things. It drives me to make decisions that ultimately will help my friends and my family get closer to Jesus. Because like I said at the beginning, everyone's life is telling a story, whether you're speaking or not. So be more like Christ and see what happens. I'm not telling you to give people a Christified version of yourself. Christified version of yourself. What I mean by that is, instead of giving them Elliot with a side of Jesus, what would it look like if you just gave them Jesus? What, if it, what would it look like if you didn't give them the TiVo that I want you to see, the good version of my Instagram post of me taking a picture of my crown brew with my Bible open and my perfect Bible journaling, which doesn't happen every single day. But what would it look like if you gave them Jesus? And what does it look like to give someone it looks like serving them. It looks like going out of your way to connect with them. 
There will never be a time in your life when it, accept, when it is acceptable to bow down to anything less than God. Whenever you give glory to something, it will have power over your life. So today, what has power over your life? Is it celebrities? Is it social media? Is it music? Is it you trying to fit in with the right crowd? Is it trying to drive the right car? Is it working a lot of jobs so that you get into the best school possible? Whatever you give glory to will ultimately have power over your life. When the music plays in our lives and the world mindlessly follows the instructions, God calls us to stand. Because remember, we are influencers. So let's finish out the story of the three Hebrew boys in Daniel 3, 7 through 15. Long passage, so bear with me. It says, the band started to play a huge band equipped with all musical instruments of Babylon. And everyone, every race, color, and creed fell to their knees and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Just then, some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. I want to pause there and say it's very interesting that people that accused the Jews were someone that today we would count as bad people, fortune tellers. They said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You gave strict orders, O king, that when the band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions in the province of Babylon. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and you refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I have made. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace, no questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from from my power. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to bully them and silence their declaration that they had in their life. The declaration that they were speaking was that their God was bigger than anything that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You see, the devil is trying to bully you and silence your declaration as well. At the end of that passage, it says, Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the answer to the question that King Nebuchadnezzar was asking. And I would venture to say that you in this room know the answer to that question tonight as well. That our God is big enough. Our God is powerful enough to rescue us from anything that the devil is trying to do. You see, he was trying to scare them. Trying to wound them. He was trying to do exactly what the devil tries to do to you and to me every single day. With the thoughts that come inside of our heads when our friends send us text messages that we don't like, when our parents are mean to us, because they want us to do dumb things like clean up our rooms and we just want to play video games or hang out with our friends or we just want to go to McDonald's. You see, in those moments, the devil is trying to shut you up, wound you, and make you doubt God. I would venture to say that any of you try to define yourself about what, by what you put up on your social media feeds, the life that you're trying to portray to your friends. You see, when the enemy tries to wound you, you have a decision to make. And you so, no, we all have been wounded by risking greatness, 
we've been mocked, we've been jeered, we've been made examples of, we had our ears filled with I told you so. But I want to tell you that every wound, whether passive or aggressive, delivers the message of don't you dare attempt greatness again. Every wound that you carry was intentionally made to disable you. What wounds are you carrying that are keeping you from a life of declaration? You know, it's hard to miss thousands of people bowing down before a statue, music playing so loudly that you can barely hear yourself and the pressure of the wounds that people are throwing at you. But you know what's also hard to miss? Three people standing with the rest of the world while the rest of the world is bowing down. Three people that let their lives be the declarations that was loud enough to drown out the noise of the world. Three men that, men that knew that temporary fire was better than eternal help. So in planning this message, I was not going to share this with you today, what I'm about to tell you. Because it's a subject that's still very raw for me. It's a subject that me and Jesus are still processing through. Four years ago today, I got a phone call at 2.30 in the morning that my stepfather had been shot dead while he was sleeping. And just like that, my entire world changed. And you see, the reason I'm sharing that story with you, the mad chaos that happened after my dad was shot, my family then having to rally together, my mom being mad at this lady that shot him, having to go into the house, into the room where he was shot were all things that the devil was trying to do to distract me from what God had called me to do. Because you see, at the same time that that was happening, God was positioning me, God was preparing me to be able to minister to over 650 kids. And in that moment, I had a decision. Was I going to let something tragic stop me from serving God? Was I going to allow that to let myself go into negative self-talk? Was I going to fall to the pressures of the world? Was I going to be angry at God? Was I going to act out in a bad way? In that moment, I chose Jesus. It's not an easy decision to make. I'm standing before you telling you that everything inside of me wanted to get angry at this lady. Everything inside of me wanted to be mad. But I'm so grateful that I chose Jesus. And so... There's this old saying that South American Indian warriors used to say when they went into battle. And they would say, bury me standing. Bury me standing. And what they meant by that is, I'm not going to lie down. If you want it, you're going to have to come kill me. If you want it, you're going to have to come take it from me. But I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight. And I'm going to fight to the death. And so I want to challenge you with that mindset of buried me standing because you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to have to be buried standing because they were not going to bow down. Before the music even played, they chose that they were going to stand on the principles and the promises of God. They chose to know who God told them they were. They knew they were chosen. And so they chose to stand on God in that moment. They chose 
to be buried standing alive. You see, we must make the world bury us standing. Don't let them bury you while you're laying down. And the band can start making their way up, and I'll finish with this. In these South African tribes, the elite warriors would be buried standing. Why would they do this? Because they did not take their battles in life lying down. They were not going to take death lying down either. Because you see, a standing warrior was an undefeated warrior in their time. So let's finish out this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says, Your threat means nothing to us. So these are the three Hebrew boys talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you can throw at us. O king, but even if he does not save us, it would make a bit of difference. I want to pause there for a second and say, how powerful is that line? Even if he does not save us, it would make a difference. What would it look like if you went back to your schools with your friend groups and your social media and you chose to stand for God even if he didn't do something that you wanted him to do for you? But even if it does not save us, it would not make a difference. We would still, we still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you had set up. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God even though the situation didn't look great. And so to finish out the story, King Nebuchadnezzar had the furnace turned up, turned up seven times harder than it normally was. It was so hot that when the guys threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, they died from the heat coming outside of the furnace. You see, those three Hebrew boys made the decision that while everyone was watching, all of their friends, all of their peers, the entire nation was bowing. I like to envision it as there's people bowing all around them, and in that moment, those three Hebrew boys decided to stand. That they didn't care that literally every single person around them was bowing. They chose to stand on the principle of God. And since they were so bold, King Nebuchadnezzar threw them inside the fire, and I think we all know the end of this story. And it's a very powerful end to the story. King Nebuchadnezzar looks inside and said, didn't we throw three boys in there? They said, yes. He said, well, I see four men walking around inside the fire. You see, the fourth man that was in there was Jesus. And the fourth man that's in your life is Jesus. But you have to choose to allow Jesus to be that fourth man. What would happen if you would just keep standing? What would happen if you keep standing for one minute longer? What would happen if you allowed Jesus to be the fourth man in your fire? I'm not naive to think that there's someone, that there's not someone in this room that has a tough home life. That some nights in your house, your parents fighting is literally like hell on earth. And you're doing everything that you can to get out of that situation. You're doing everything that you can to hold it together. And I want to encourage whoever that person is in this room that God sees you. Jesus wants to be that fourth man. Jesus wants to come into that fire with you. All you have to do is give those burdens to him. So the last two things that I need you to know is you need to know your God 
and you need to know yourself. Life's going to give you countless reasons to bow down, and I encourage you not to do it. I encourage you to take a stand. 1 Timothy 1.8 says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. You see, you can't fight a fight if you don't know whose you are. Remember, we're sons and daughters of the king. We were made in his image. You have God's DNA inside of you. Since you were made by a great God, you are destined for greatness. But in order for you to reach that greatness, you have to allow God to be the fourth person. So remember, your life is a declaration. Your life is an anthem. And if we're going to make the world memorize it, you have to live a life that's loud, a life that's for Jesus. We are not called to fight for victory, but we're called to fight from victory. Your ability to stand will give others the ability to do the same. And your life will be your declaration. So as we get ready to go back to worship, I want everyone to stand up with me. But as you're standing, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So in a room this size, after a sermon series like this, I would venture to say that there's some people in this room that wouldn't be able to say with a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior. Notice I said Lord and Savior, because both are very, very important. And so before we move on, before we go and buy candy, and before we play nine square, and before we run around all wild and free, I don't want to leave this moment without giving someone in this room the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So as you're thinking through your life, if there has never been a moment in time where you remember asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you want to make that time tonight, I encourage you to just slip your hand in the air and slip it back down. Or maybe you've made that decision before, but for some reason you've stopped living a life that's been sold out to Him. For some reason the declaration of your life has been that of the world and not that of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and slip it back down as well. And I'll pray for all of us. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing. I thank you for this family called Cornerstone Students. I thank you for every single person that's in this room. I thank you that in an instant we can choose to allow your son Jesus to be our best friend, our savior, and our Lord. And that in that instance we can choose to live a life like he would live. One where we love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. One where we're serving others without wanting something in return. And Lord, I pray as we get ready to go back into worship, that you'll just remind us of all of the great things that you've done for us. That you'll still this message in our hearts. That you will help us allow this declaration that this generation of influence has to be loud. That the declaration would be one that we are sons and daughters of the King. We are royalty. We have God's DNA inside of us. And we won't stop at anything to see our friends and our schools and our community change for the better. And no matter what's going on in our lives, we'll remember to invite you in as the fourth man into our fire. We pray all of these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Let's take some time and respond uh, in faith to what God has, has said. If you want to go ahead and come up here, that would be great. We're going to sing. We're going to have an opportunity to pray.